Hey everybody, welcome to episode 280 of the Running Rogue podcast, releasing this in advance of this 4th of July holiday weekend. I hope everybody's got fun and safe plans. I'll be off to Tyler, Texas to hang out with my family and run with my sister there, which I'm excited about. So today we're going to jump right into this conversation with our main topic, which is I'm going to be talking about a training principle that I think is critical, not only for getting the most out of yourself in training, but also for races. And it is simply put, understanding and harnessing the power of progression. Understanding and harnessing the power of progression as a fundamental training principle that you need to learn, embrace, grasp in order to ultimately be your best running self. I have to give full credit on this topic to one of my former coaches, John Shrupp, who was a big disciple of this principle and was really one who drove home this principle in my running experience and journey about 10 years ago, working with him as he coached our team road group here in Austin. And now Obviously, I've fully embraced that as a runner myself and continue to preach the principles of it as a coach, so much so that I think it's worthy of its own episode. So we're going to be talking today about the power of progression. I'm going to talk about the why, the what, and the how. The why, the what, and the how of this principle, starting with why it's important, going into what that looks like when you apply it in your runs, and then lastly, how you do it in a way that hopefully allows you to shorten that learning curve because this is a, this is one that can be tricky to learn and maybe maybe a better term for it is it can be a little counterintuitive in terms of the way you apply your lessons for it so let's jump in talking about the why why is it important to understand the power of progression in your runs and again for context and we'll talk more about this in the what the, the main idea here is that every single thing you do in training and in racing, with the exception of a few things, which I'll talk about later, with the exception of very few things, should be done in progression, meaning you start slower than how you finish. Easy runs, workouts, races. For those that are in this distance training and distance running and racing world, that is a fundamental principle. You want to start slower than how you finish. You want to give yourself room to progress in all aspects of what we do. So why is that important? First of all, and there's really three reasons why it's important. These are related reasons, but three reasons that I'll highlight. The first is the idea of energy conservation and preservation. To use a car analogy, when you start your engine or when you rev your engine off of a line, if you're waiting at a light and going from zero to beginning back in getting into towards the speed limit, your car burns more fuel getting up to speed than it does at speed. So you're, you're burning more fuel as you go from zero to 40 than you will once you get to 40. Because what happens is the engine has to do work to get the, the things going, get, get everything started. And then it eventually settles into a rhythm where it is more efficient. And so if you really crank the accelerator 
off of a line when the light turns green versus easing into that accelerator and allowing the car to kind of catch up to the speed that you're asking it to perform, then you're going to burn less fuel with that patient approach than if you just crank the accelerator and go. And ultimately, distance running, marathoning, half marathoning, 10K distances, it is an efficiency game. You're ultimately, one of the things you're trying to master is the ability to burn as little energy for as long as possible at pace. That's what's going to allow you to be your best half marathon and marathon self. And so we have to run in progression because your pace, your, the energy you're going to burn at race pace is actually lower than the energy you're going to burn starting. And so if I start out of the gate and I try to hit race pace right away, that costs more energy than if I ease down to it and settle into it over time. And so you want to use this principle in order to save energy and to learn to be efficient as you're building speed in a race or workout so that you can stay and hang for the long haul. We've all had that experience where we felt the opposite, where we started too fast, we dug a hole for ourselves, and then we have this dramatic swing at the end to, to the slower end of things because we haven't managed that energy well. And that's an experience where you've learned that the opposite of progression can be very, very painful and suboptimal. So you want to work it the other way. Start conservatively, start slow, or as I like to say, miss slow so that you can progress down from there, whether that be an easy run, a workout, or a race. And again, we'll talk about the what later. So principle number one, or point number one here on the why is it's all about energy efficiency and conservation. The second principle here is that when you run in progression, it allows you the space to get the most from your training, from your training and from your workouts. Again, we've already talked about the opposite of that. When I start too fast in that first interval in a workout and then therefore can't hold paces or hang in for all the reps in a workout because I've buried myself early, then I have ultimately sub-optimized that entire block of work. Now, look, it happens. No, None of us are perfect, so I'm not throwing stones here. All I'm saying is that the more you can execute a workout in full, the better. And in full at the prescribed paces, the better. In order to do that, you have to give yourself space to do that versus starting too fast, burying yourself early, getting upside down on the workout, and then suddenly having to either fall off significantly on pace or perhaps drop intervals at the end because you haven't managed that progression well that's another reason that this is important because it allows you to execute a workout in full and then therefore to get the most out of your training so that you can show up on race day fully prepared. So that's the second principle. And again, these are all related to that first, because you've conserved energy, because you've started efficiently, you have that staying power throughout a workout that's going to allow you to get the most from it. The same is true. Third concept here for the why is that because it's most efficient in races longer than 5K to run in progression, you have to practice that in training so that you can execute it 
on race day and then therefore get the most out of your race. Science tells us that any race really 10K or longer, the most optimal strategy is a negative split, meaning you run the second half faster than the first. And again, a lot of that goes back to that principle of energy conservation so that those longer races, you're able to conserve energy for the end that allows you to have a strong finish versus swinging the other direction. You want to practice progression in training so that you can execute in progression on race day. Again, for any race, 10K or longer. Shorter races than that, we start to hit that barrier where it's either slightly optimal to be even split or perhaps slight positive splits in order to get the most out of that race. Again, that's all driven by the data and the science, but the reason behind it is because progression is how you can get the most out of those longer races by by conserving energy early, by banking energy, not time. You have that staying power in those longer races that allows you to finish strong and ultimately have your best possible result. So those are the reasons why this concept of progression is important. It's all about energy and efficiency and conservation so that you can get the most from your workouts and get the most from your races. Again, those races 10K or longer. We'll talk about some exceptions to the rule here when I get into what, like when is progression not the thing you want to be thinking about, but ultimately, for the most part, 95% of the time, maybe more, you should be thinking about executing everything in progression. Your warm-ups, your easy runs, your long runs, your workouts, your races longer than, or 10K or longer. So those are the reasons. Now let's talk about the what. What does that look like? Then we'll talk about the how. How do you pull it off? How do you learn this concept? And believe me, this is an ever, this is a never ending pursuit is learning mastery of this principle. Believe me, I've been doing this myself for 20 years and I still make mistakes. And I still have those days where I screw it up and have to take my lessons on to the next. And that's okay. That's a part of it. But there are ways to short circuit that learning process. So, but first let's talk about the what. And when I break down the what, I'm going to be talking about the different categories of running and what that looks like across each one when I'm talking about progression. So the first one, talking about, let's talk about warm-ups. Warming up that might be one and a half to three miles that you might do in advance of a workout or in advance perhaps of a race of shorter duration. That warm-up, is something you want to execute in progression. What does that look like? And interestingly, on this topic of warming up, one of the things that Phil Maffetone actually ha- talks about and his he's got science to back it up, which is this idea that in your warm-up, you want your body to progress as gradually as possible through the different heart rate levels so that by the time you get to the heart rate you're going to be executing in the run or in the workout that you've hit everything underneath that in patient progression so that you're most warmed up and primed and ready to then execute at that target heart rate. So in other words, if I go from from a resting heart rate of say 60 beats per minute to 
right to 140 because I'm jumping right into my warm up at a certain pace, then that's suboptimal versus easing into my warm up and going gradually from a 60 to a 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, up through to 140. Now, obviously, you're not necessarily going to execute that progression of heart rate perfectly during your warm up. The idea here, and this is well documented in the Kenyan approach to warming up for a race or workout, is that they start glacially slow in their warm ups, ease into it very slowly and gradually, and then gradually build that effort level just incrementally as they might cover those initial miles before a workout or a race. So that by the time they get to that point where they're ready to go execute on the race or the workout, they've been able to, by that very gradual progression, they've been able to cover more or less the heart rate zones up to that target zone. So execute your warm-ups in gradual progression, which might mean that you start some runs or warm-ups at a pace that or effort that is just barely faster than a walk. So a, just a glacially slow effort to get going. I find this useful too, even on some easy runs to start this way or recovery runs, which we'll talk about here in a second. But your warm up should be painfully slow at the beginning, glacially slow at the beginning, and then gradually as your body warms up and as your heart starts beating, then you pick it up and progress towards that target zone. We'll talk a little bit in a second about the how of that, but that's what it looked like. It should look like for you. Warm up should start glacially slow. I don't want you to start right into it and crank right away for that warm up, even if it's at a quote easy effort, because you're going to leapfrog from resting heart rate to a much higher heart rate right away, which is suboptimal in terms of then getting execution right once you hit that target zone. So your warm-up should be in progression. Your easy long runs and your recovery runs should be in progression. Same kind of concept. You just want to start at an effort that feels smooth and comfortable and then gradually let your body find a faster, easy pace as you warm into the run. And we'll talk again in a minute about what that looks like and how you do it, but you primarily do it by not forcing it. I like to say you want to listen to your body early in runs and workouts so that you're responding to what it's allowing you to do, which might mean some days you start an easy run slower than others, depending on how you feel, but you should start at a comfortable effort that is nice and slow and then ease into it from there, naturally letting your body pick things up. And so over the course of an easy run or a long run, that might look like starting 30 seconds, maybe even a minute per mile slower than your ultimate cruise pace. So for example, I often will tell people to run a minute per mile slower than marathon pace on their easy days, or 90 seconds per mile slower than their half marathon pace on their easy days. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's your average pace for the whole run. That might just be the pace that you ultimately work down to. 
once you find that rhythm. And typically, on most days, you should be starting slower than that, perhaps 30 seconds, perhaps even as slow as a minute slower than that, depending on how your body's responding on a given day. Start slower than that, and then naturally you will progress down to it. And then once you find that rhythm and your body settles in, then you then you can more or less hold there. But those easy runs shouldn't necessarily start right at that target pace and then hold for the duration of the run. You're not going to start right at that marathon pace plus one minute or right at that marathon pace plus 90 seconds. You should naturally start a little bit slower than that and then ease down. That's what it should look like. And your average pace might be a little bit slower than the target. But again, it's not necessarily about the exact pace on those runs. It's about the effort and whether or not you're in that zone to build aerobic capacity, but also so that you have that space early on to ease into it. So easy runs, long runs, that's what it might look like. Workouts. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you told me to do 800 meter intervals at 10K pace. So I jumped right in at 10K pace and did it. Or, or maybe you start slightly faster than 10K pace and have to ease back and get into it. Typically, when I'm telling a runner to run intervals at a, at a set pace the entire time, implied within that concept is that I want you to start a little bit slower than that. Oftentimes in my workouts, I write it in where I'll say, all right, let's do two, two reps at half marathon pace, then get to 10K pace, then maybe progress to 5K pace or faster. I will typically build in that progression so that it's very explicit. But even if I don't, and a lot of coaches don't, then I highly encourage you to start your intervals slower than the, the target pace for that first or second interval and then gradually squeeze down to the target pace from there, ideally holding that then through most of the workout, and then maybe finishing slightly faster on that last interval. That, to me, is what perfect execution typically looks like on a workout, where you're starting a little bit slower in that opening interval, working down to that target pace for the middle intervals, and then over the last interval, perhaps two, you're getting slightly faster to finish strong at the end, but not stepping outside the purpose or concept of that workout. That's what it might look like for intervals. You're still working in progression. The only exception I have to this is if I'm, if I'm really explicit or when you get into that stage of your macro cycle of your training plan where you're in race specific mode, that final five or six weeks before your taper, that's when you want to start being even more precise with your paces. And so there you might end up being a little bit more dialed in, narrowing that progression window. But even still, I'm never going to get mad at anybody who starts a little bit slower in that first rep and then works down to target pace for most of the reps and then finishes a little bit strong. That is just optimal because it does a couple of things. It helps you find that pace without overdoing it because most people go out in that first interval too fast and then therefore they may compromise their entire workout. But if you start a little bit slow, if you miss slow, then you've established a rhythm at that slower effort and all you have to do is squeeze down a little bit to find that target pace 
without it costing you something later. Versus the other way, oftentimes if you go too fast in that first interval, it will compromise your entire workout to the point where you can't run the paces you need later, or maybe you have to cut intervals, as I mentioned earlier. So miss slow to find that pace. It also, again, allows you to conserve energy early on so that you can then complete the duration of the workout. One form of workout, you know, and that can be applied in intervals, but another form of workout where this is explicitly built in is a progression run, which is to me one of the hardest workouts to execute in all of running is a progression run where you might start at one pace and perhaps then progress by mile at five to 10 seconds per mile as you go. That to me is the very, very hardest workout to execute well because it requires nuance, it requires subtle shifts in effort and really having a feel for your body dialed in that I think most people simply don't have. So a progression run, practicing that a few times a training cycle is a way to also learn this. And one of the principles that I apply there is that it's not about perfection on a progression run. It is about progression on a progression run. And so if your coach advises you to cut five to 10 seconds per mile and you might cut 15 on one mile and five on another, that's okay as long as you finish faster than when you started. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to progress. So progression and workouts. Start a little slower. As I like to say, miss slow in that first rep. Work down so that you can then hold for the duration of the workout and get in all the intervals. And then the next category of what is races? You want to, as I've talked about many times before on this podcast, you want to start slower, anything longer than a 10K, start a little bit slow in that opening mile and then work down, hold your pace for the middle miles and then hopefully finish strong at the very end. That is the basic blueprint for any well-run 10K, half marathon and marathon. And the longer the distance, the more conservative you have to be for the beginning. So. Oftentimes for a 10K, I want you to start a little bit slow in that first mile and then dial in by the second mile. For a half marathon, I want you to start a little bit slower for the first two miles in progression, then by the third mile be dialed in. For a marathon, typically you're starting 30 seconds to 45 seconds slower per mile in those opening miles. Work down over the first four to perhaps even five miles to your target pace and then hold that until it's time to finish strong at the end. That is what's optimal for those distances is being able to start energy start slowly conserve energy early progress down hold and then close well again you're not banking time you're banking energy so that you have something strong at the end so races longer than a 10k are also an opportunity to apply this principle now for races shorter than that you're running an 8K, that should be about an even split type of race. 5K, you want a slight positive splits where you start a little bit faster in your first mile, settle in, and then try to finish well. And then shorter than a 5K, then things start to, again, be a little bit more optimal just to start a little bit faster than you finish. Because 
for those races, you're not trying to conserve energy for later because there is no later. You're you're going all all out from the from the gun for a very short window of time. So that's what it looks like across all those different types of running: the warm up, the easy runs, the long runs, the workouts, and the races. Again, as I mentioned in there, the only times really that progression, this progression principle doesn't apply is in shorter races and in some workouts inside a race-specific block of training where you're really focusing on dialing into a target pace. And that is a very tiny window at which that can be applied. That, That consistent pacing rather than progressive pacing would be applied inside a workout. Now, let's talk about the how. How do you do this? How do you learn to do this well? Because it isn't easy. And I'm going to start by talking about what not to do. Naturally, I think when I talk about this topic, everyone thinks about their GPS watch. You think, wow, I have this great device on my wrist that's going to tell me exactly how to do this. And the problem with that is that I don't want you to actually use your watch as a crutch in learning this principle. This principle isn't actually about the external feedback from your watch. It's actually about the internal feedback from your body about how you ease into a run in a way that feels smooth and comfortable and efficient. So the the number one thing here to mention on the how is don't learn to execute this principle by staring at your watch. That is absolutely a counterproductive approach because if you just look at your watch and you just say, well, okay, now in this moment, looking at instant pace, I'm going a little faster and you just become obsessed with what it's telling you and try to get that feedback from the watch to gradually drop in pace and you think, well, I have to do it in certain intervals, so I'm going to apply a really rigid framework to what my progression might look like on a warm-up or on a easy run, and it's going to look this way every single time. That is exactly not what I want. That is the thing not to do. Don't be a slave to your watch. Rather, this principle is all about feel. It's all about learning to feel. It's all about learning what your body is telling you. Because it's going to look a little bit different every day. There's going to be some days when you go out for an easy run and your legs feel great and fresh and springy and naturally you might start a little bit faster. You're still going to progress, but you're going to start a little bit faster and that progression might look a little different than on some days when things are really sluggish for whatever reason. And you got to respond to that, listen to that, maybe start a little slower on those days and then ease down. So this isn't about being a slave to your watch. Now, that's not to say that your watch isn't going to be a useful tool, especially in a workout at telling you where you are. So when you hit that lap button and see your first time on the first interval of a workout and it's a little bit slower than your target pace, check, you know you've you've done something right and then you can progress from there. So sure, the watch can be a tool in applying this principle, but it isn't the thing that should be your crutch. So principle number one here in applying this power of progression and becoming good at it is learning to feel. 
learning to listen to your body and respond to what it needs. And as a part of that, learning to feel pace without having your watch tell you what it is. You know, again, I've been doing this myself and running for 20 plus years. And if somebody tells me to go run a six minute mile, I'm pretty good at dialing into that. I'm one of those that can jump on a track and pretty, I'm pretty good at dialing right into the intervals that I'm called to run because I have a lot of practice, but it's not because I've been obsessed with my watch all these years. It's because I've learned to listen to the subtle cues my body is giving me and I know what it feels like to run those paces. And so I can go back to that feeling and end up in a pretty good spot. So principle number one here in applying this is just listen to your body, learn to feel do workouts without looking at your watch, where you might be collecting the data, splitting the laps, but just feeling and trying to feel that progression play out or trying to feel those moments when you decide, I'm going to hit this interval the same as the last. If you can do that, then you're developing a skill set that will help you not only execute training better, but also execute in races better so again principle number one on applying this is learn to feel first listen to your body and remember this isn't an easy thing it's going to take mistakes you're going to learn and get better at this over time but be patient with yourself keep feeling learning getting better honing the practice realize that you're going to make mistakes along the way and that's okay Take your lessons with each one of those and take it into that next run and do it a little bit better the next time. So again, number one is feel. Number two, practice. Practice it. Again, I talked a little bit about running workouts without looking at your watch, maybe splitting the laps, collecting the data, looking at it later and calibrating that with how you felt on the workout. Do the same on an easy run where you're not looking at the watch the entire time, you're just listening to your body and you're trying to keep the effort consistent, meaning it's going to be a little bit slower at the beginning at the same effort that you hit later when you're in that rhythm and everything is flowing. So practice it. Practice it every single time you get out there as i mentioned we can practice this in our warm-ups we can practice this on our easy runs we can practice this in workouts we can practice it in races practice it another place where you can practice this is we mentioned progression runs earlier i also like to apply occasionally in training progressive closes where you're finishing a run Mostly I use these in long runs, but it could be used on any run. You're finishing a run over the final 15 to 20 minutes a little bit faster than how you started. And you might break that 15 or 20 minutes down into five-minute intervals where you just try to progress a little bit and then hold for five minutes, do the same for the next five minutes, and keep doing that all the way to the end where you're staying in control the entire time but just trying to execute a gradual progression at the end of the workout or long run. So practice progression. Practice progression runs. Every Think about every single time you go out there, this is something you can practice. And you don't have to be a slave to it. 
but just listen to your body, practice it, and you will get better. As a part of practicing in that, practicing it, I want you to understand, third point I'll make here is that it's all about subtle shifts in effort. I think oftentimes when people execute progression runs, when they're new to it, they think I have to inject a bunch of energy at each of those shifts in order to get that gradual shift down in pace. And the reality is you don't. And typically early in a progression run, you may not even have to inject any new effort because your body is going to naturally get a little bit faster as you ease into a run and workout and as you find that rhythm. So typically over those initial miles of progression in a progression run, you don't even have to inject any new effort. All you have to do is just settle into that relaxed rhythm and let your body naturally get faster as a, as a part of it. Then once you get a little further into progression run, then you start to have to apply a little bit more energy, but it's subtle, tiny, subtle shifts in effort will get you that next five to 10 seconds per mile or that next one to two seconds faster on an interval that you might be doing. Subtle shifts. And typically later, once we start to get to the faster end of the range, that's when we have to increase that energy put into it a little bit more in order to get that same shift down in pace but it's all very very subtle and so when you're practicing that just remember that you don't have to inject big chunks of energy when you're making these subtle shifts in progression and training all you have to do is inject a tiny bit and you're going to want to recognize at that point at which you can just simply ease into it versus have to interject any energy and so so learn that it is a fine art. It is a subtle game that we're playing. It is not about big injections of energy in order to master this principle of progression. So keep it subtle and you'll be just fine. Then you want to learn and repeat. Learn and repeat. So execute a workout, even if you're looking at your watch and you're checking your splits. Go back afterwards and digest the full data and apply that to how you felt in the workout or in that run and then assimilate that information into some lessons you can take into the next. Like, oh, I screwed up that one jump. I went too fast in that one progression. How'd that feel? Think back to that moment. And you might think, oh, I put too much into it there. Maybe I'll just... Make it a little more subtle. So take your lessons, iterate and learn. And again, remember, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. I still make mistakes on this on occasion, particularly when I let my ego get in the way. But that's the final point I'll make in a second. But take your lessons, learn, and then repeat. It doesn't have to be perfect. Again, we're looking for progression, not perfection, which means you want to progress in your mastery of this over time as well. Last point I'll make, which is a pretty good overarching point, is that you have to at all times set your ego aside, accept where you are, accept the conditions that you might have in front of you, and then execute on this principle. Which might mean when your fitness isn't as sharp for whatever reason, you accept that. And you back off of paces a little bit than maybe you've typically run in recent months and allow yourself to progress from a slower place than you have been recently. Maybe the weather is hot, and especially now in the summer months, 
you're but you're stubborn stubbornly holding on to paces that you've run in cooler weather instead of just accepting the temperatures where they are backing off accordingly which sometimes can mean backing off 30 45 seconds per mile in order to allow yourself space to progress if you're running with a group or people sometimes we get sucked into following a certain person because we think we're supposed to be with them or we're competing with them believe me i've been i've I've been burned by this recently, chasing around some newer, younger guys in our group, and it has cost me because I've been stubbornly trying to chase their paces instead of just accepting mine and where they are. And sure, there are workouts where I can hang, but there are some where I just can't, and I need to accept that and back off and then allow my own personal paces to play out and progression to play out. So make sure that in all of this, you accept where you are, you set your ego aside, you accept the conditions as they are, and then apply that using feel to apply this principle of progression across all runs. Again, this isn't something you have to think about all the time. It should become something that's just embedded in how you operate. You want this to become second nature ultimately. And in order to do that, you have to be about a little bit more intentional about it initially. But once, once it's embedded into your approach, then it just becomes a part of it and you'll be able to execute better workouts, execute better races, and ultimately be a better runner because of it. So there you go. That's the power of progression, the why, the what, and the how. So now it's your turn to go practice it. So with that, I'm going to wrap this episode a little bit shorter one today. Thanks as always for listening. I hope everybody has a happy fourth weekend keep it fun and safe. And if you'd like to learn more about Rogue Running, you can go to roguerunning.com or check us out on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.